Hey, what's fucking cracking, you weeaboo bitch? Haha! <laughs> yeah, you thought we were getting friendly, but uh-uh, nah, nah. It's the 15th of August, ho. You thought. It's Assumption Day, we out here assuming all the shit. In fact, I haven't even seen any of the anime on the list. We're just gonna assume what they're all about and guess. We're just gonna fucking take our full guess what all these shows are about. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. Just kidding. Happy Assumption Day. It's a national holiday where I make an ass out of you and me. My name is Weeaboo Jim and this is the Weeaboo Corner where I... I myself do the do you the honor of sitting in front of a TV screen for 30 plus hours every two weeks and watch nothing but anime and pretend it's my profession, even though I make no cash. Let's keep telling my mum this is my full-time job, and maybe, just maybe, she'll be a little bit proud of my decisions. <laughs> so 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 we're, we're watching some good shit today, actually. We're watching Carol and Tuesday. Uh, so let's just, let's just fucking jump into that, man. Come on, let's go, let's go. Y'all know how much I love Shinichiro Watanabe from Space Dandy, Samurai Champloo, Cowboy Bebop. Bro, we out here watching Carol and Tuesday on a Saturday, and <laughs> uh, I really got a lot of recommendations to watch this, actually. it's It's got the creator of Cowboy Bebop in it. It's, it's glossy. It's, it's got this glossy, beautiful art style. The animation is slick and it's full of life. It's like every step the characters take, a whole flower blooms right there on the spot. Set on Mars, we already have a culturally vibrant society filled with every coloured skin person that you can find, every hairstyle, beings of all shapes and sizes from face value. This show genuinely has as little problems as possible, with, it, with, with the overall plot of the story for the, to, to be for the band to stay true to themselves and not get corrupted by record labels that in this age usually use robots to construct all of their songs. So Carol and Tuesday throw it away by coming through with that human written music for, for the people and it really demonstrates the distinct difference between AI created pop junk and, and true human emotion. Like, the plot changes almost every single time another step is made, as the story plays like a whole staircase with almost a different goal in place every time they achieve that last one, which gives the show a whole uh, kind of choreography to the story, like the story itself is a song, constantly moving and progressing, gradually ascending and getting grander in scale until the climax, the fall that no one saw coming, the one that we never wished to happen, and what do they do? They rise up. It's like an arpeggio or something. It's, it's, it's amazing. They get back on their feet and they move forward, and it's with this demonstration of teamwork and partnership, uh, a relationship between band members and musicians, Watanabe gives us a true delve deep into the raw emotions of a museum. Uh, uh, writing music, writing lyrics, performing the music, whether it's yourself or for an audience, and the best part is, he, 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 even, he even shows us what stage fright looks like, shit, when an audience just doesn't get it. It's like when Drake showed up, when Frank Ocean was expected. We see the destruction of an audience's rejection. It's, it's, this is what it's like to be a musician, because from Every time these girls are at their lowest, we always find them get back up and move forward. 
so already we have Carol, an orphan from Earth who lived in a refugee camp, who hears a concert in Florida that gave her the push that she needed to find a home in music, came to Mars to make a living and works day-to-day -day jobs to make ends meet. And we also have Tuesday, uh, a girl from the upper class upbringing who hears a hit song on the radio and the lyrics touch her and they give her an, uh, an emotional explosion that she needed to inspire her to make music. And even though no one listened to her music, she plays anyway. Their manager is an ex-musician and is extremely vigilant in his work and there's plenty more characters in line that connect themselves to Carol and Tuesday's timeline in one way or another. Something really important to remember about this story is that it's not supposed to be an exciting space adventure. This is a story about growth, um, music, and the growing into what you dream dreamt of being no matter what gets in the way. And it's from these ashes that Carol and Tuesday reach what can only be called as a final awakening, as they power through obstacles like Juggernaut, paving a golden road for themselves. And I haven't even said anything real about the music yet. <laughs> Shit. Magnificent ballads, heartfelt and soul-touching symphonies, collaborations and concoctions of soul, R&B, rock, rap, Latin opera, heavy metal, electronic, Thundercat throws in an unreleased song in here, Flying Lotus, Alice in Wonderland, references to musicians left, right and centre, even, even the fucking episode names are named after famous hits. But I've digressed long enough. The music. There's something so very real about the music, from the way that we see it rehearsed over and over again to the creation of the music, writing the lyrics, and when that final result shows up, even for a brief moment, we find something legitimately emotional about this show. It's real. It's not about high-speed aliens fighting in a wasteland, it's about real people with real stories, real pasts, true ambitions and actual empathy as we find it if in the music that Tuesday's brother makes a valid and understandable sacrifice as he feels that the music is where Tuesday truly belongs the music isn't just a medium to perform something it's a message that we want to scream to the world which brings us to the ultimate question is this exciting Every episode, we're walking, sometimes running into the next scene, unexpectedly diving into the void to see how the next episode plays. Which fantastic song will be captivated by this time? Who else will see perform? And there's so much variation in the show, shown through music. We find, we can find so many differences within the series itself that you can make an entirely new series straight off of the people in it. I've heard some people say that oh, this show is boring or it's not exciting or it doesn't fit into their shonen lifestyle, but ultimately this show really dictates itself as the smoothest transition into anime that isn't just space battles. It's about people. It's about the trust and connection that music forms between people. The way music connects us one way or another. Someone hears it, someone loves it, and someone is touched by it. The show itself is almost reminiscent of music as itself, as but on its own. I'm gonna give Carol and Tuesday not only my undivided attention the next seven times I watch the series, but I'm gonna give Carol and Tuesday a solid eight out of 10, hell yeah. If you love Beach episodes, my man, my faithful weebs, I give you the holy grail. Harukana receive. 
the pinnacle of beach episodes. We've got girls, we've got plot, we've got everything a man can ask for. <laughs> so let's just dive into this. Let's just, let's just jump. First of all, let's address every single episode is a beach episode full of incredible tropical gorgeousness. The summer sun, the ocean waves, Haruka's butt. It's as if this show was created for the culture. We follow Haruka, who's new in town and really wants to get into beach volleyball, which is perfectly understandable. So she turns to her cousin, Kanata, to be her demon senpai and teach her every single rope no matter how tough it's gotta be. Haruka and Kanata become the most fearsome tag team duo in the entire of Okinawa. I'm talking Dragon Ball Z levels of suspense with anime girls in swimsuits playing matches that last about two episodes at a time. Personally, I've never found it difficult to enjoy sports anime since they all actually have uh, an, an amazing charm to them with an, an amount of ambition and motivation the main character exerts. It's, it's not really any different in this one. Haruka's constantly motivated throughout the entire series and she's she's constantly willing to progress and get better no matter how bruised and battered she gets. She's the perfect icon for sports inspiration. Uh, even when she's not training, she's constantly giving her her all and, and this makes her a true first place contender for best girl. But we'll get to that. We have team Eclair, Emily and Claire who are the American exchange students and the second best in the country, which makes them kind of a big deal in the beach volleyball ring. Kanata is Narumi's former partner and Narumi is also a contender for, is a, also a contender for best girl. Driven, cold, stone-faced, but it's only the strong character because she was betrayed by her former partner. She keeps this cold demeanour to hide the fact that she really wishes Kanata trusted her more to finish that final volleyball match. Kanata is shy, can't open up to anyone, so when Haruka shows up all open and energetic, it's a whole contrast between character. We get introduced to a couple more characters that drive the plot even more, and I'm not even just talking about storyline. Which brings me to the storyline. We follow Haruka, who is uh, summoned to the fantasy world to defeat the demon lord. No, no, sorry, I get carried away sometimes. Specific theme I put forward in this episode is that every main character from the show, from every show that I'm talking about, is so driven and willing to stand up in one way or another. As every time Haruka is defeated, which is about half the series or more, she learns from the experience and presses forward getting progressively better at the sport one step at a time and she adopts the skills used to defeat her. We see those skills utilised a very large amount in the episodes to come. Haruka's goal is to be the best beach volleyball player that she can ever be and her goal might not seem super likely for the time being. We constantly see her pressing onwards towards this goal. We see it getting closer and closer in the distance. It's, it's just over the horizon, as every single episode we're given this beautiful scenery and this depth into being driven, this is a training montage given life. It's the slow, gruelling process of never giving up, of becoming the Hokage, of, of defeating Thanos off-panel. We see what it's truly like to be driven, and... Oh my god, Haru Har Haruka? Kanata, Harukana, oh lord, it all makes sense, oh my goodness. 
Oh, let's talk music. The music even. From the intro, we have some lovely, beautiful slice of life music alongside emotionally dark and ominous pieces stitched together with an absolute banger intro. Every single time any song comes on, I can feel the urges to play volleyball. It's like a subtle hypnosis to play more and more until I... Uh, uh, damn it, when, when did I apply for beach volleyball? I, I can't even, I don't even live anywhere near the beach. Uh, honestly, I wasn't entirely certain that I would love this show because with the premise saying that every episode of a beach episode, I wasn't certain how my, my gentle, innocent Christian morals would suffice uh, faced with such devilry as an as everyday plot. But I was really caught off guard by the amount of depth these characters have. Everyone has a history, a past that forms them into the person they are today, and it truly shows when they're on the court. If you're not constantly looking at the plot, and it'll be hard since a lot of the time it's kind of thrown in your face for a couple seconds in slow motion, we noticed that a lot of change in, uh, changes in Haruka's positioning. When she plays more and more, she truly does become a really seasoned player with an absolute idea of how to play the game, and you really can't compare a growth like this. So really, is this show worth watching? Uh, will you gain something insightful and motivational through the show? That kind of depends. Do you love the beach? Do you, the, the beautifully coloured sand, the ocean slowly breezing against the shoreline, the summer sun gently kissing the horizon as characters leap into the air, their, their titties soaring off their chest in slow motion as the sand gently erupts from the ground where they land, the sound of anime girls spanking each other, making weird noises that you can truly only find in hentai, this show is more than just worth watching. You should recommend this show to your grandma because you'll, you'll be you'll be hard pressed to know that this show literally ends on a metaphysical beach episode, a beach episode that stands out from every other beach episode as of yet. In emotional and inspirational energies, we close on a new Haruka, an experienced Haruka, one that can carry the sport till the time ends. We're a cultured bunch of individual here, and we always respect the plot, and that's why I'm giving Harukana Receive a smart and intelligent 9 out of 10. Boom. Y'all can't be talking about country music if you never even watched Farming Simulator 2020 the anime, cause we're watching No Rin to get a little bit more cultured. <laughs> we're set in an agricultural school following three kids who are quite clearly main characters. We got a girl with huge plot, a dude with glasses who, if we learned anything from Angel Beats, is most likely an idiot, and Kosaku, who is the, the, the main main character who most likely, if you've seen Baka and Test, is, most, is, is like the biggest idiot. Surprisingly enough, for an anime about farming, we actually get a good, healthy dose of farming knowledge alongside little bits of information seeded in every now and then, planting the seeds of knowledge, plucking the fruits of wisdom. Farming, farming, I'm talking about farming, these are all farming puns. Something, something to really keep in mind here, is that this show, almost like Baka and Test, 
isn't entirely reference driven, but there are a large assortment of references sprinkled throughout every episode, like a beautiful dozen scoops of ice cream tainted with sprinkles, but it tastes so good. We've got as many Jojo references as we can imagine all over the damn place. <laughs> so sweet to taste. Just every Jojo reference is like that one sweet popcorn in the midst of 10 salty ones. It's like, mm, so good. Mm -mm. We must forgive the coherence. Since the story is slice of life driven, we have to understand that a lot of the coherence and the story progression really comes from character progression separately. From uh, Ringo Knoshkata, the new girl in school who used to be an idol, is now retired. Uh, she she learns how to feel emotions, Kosaku learning, even though sometimes it feels like the same day over and over again, we're never given the same activities or like the same uh, day to day. It's always the same aggressive acting, exciting, action-fueled farming competitions. Every every single character is dis is super distinguishably hilarious. The character, the, the the teacher, Miss Becky, constantly trying to fuck someone, anyone, anything. You got Funbags McGee, the pink-haired serial killer girl with humongous teas who hasn't killed anyone as of yet, to our knowledge, who's completely obsessed with making everyone else look stupid. We've also got a, uh, a good amount of episodes in Rose, Rose Hanazono, using every Zeppeli reference he possibly can, every Jojo reference, he says Bellissimo, he says, yes, I am. <laughs> and it's fantastic, it's so good. Is uh, he, he? It's not hard to choose. Like with, with this many characters in the world, we it's it's really difficult to choose like a main character, like a, a favorite character. The best character by default is the one who uses the most JoJo references. So we'll have to go back to whom's best girl is at the end of the show. Unfortunately, there is no final awakening in any of these characters, except for Kosaku, who undergoes a whole enlightenment process at the end of the series, which can kind of be seen as a final awakening. Until then, since we've got about 12 episodes to go, let's focus on something very worth keeping your eyes on. The tea. In history, culture has struggled to maintain the importance of the tea, where a tea should be. Do we want an exposed or concealed tea? When we think of the tea, do our minds stray towards real life cleavage or do we automatically think of Tsunade's hulking breasticles? What is the difference between these? Real life tea? Anime tea? No matter how revealed anime tea is, it's always concealed. And this is the beauty behind anime tea because it's through this that we find true beauty. It doesn't matter how exposed the anime tea is, the true anime tea has has been inside us all along. But if that's bullshit to you, this show definitely has plenty anime tea. We got we got a beach episode, <laughs> but that was probably stolen from us by a cruel god, replaced with like a storm and turned into a nearly beach episode as they continued to go along with it in full insanity. But that's the charm of the series. We don't get any emotional moments. We don't get any heartfelt scenarios between characters. Moments away from their first kiss together, we get uh, a Naruto and Sasuke first kiss type in uh, in in the middle of the in the middle of the classroom by accident, and there's cameras. 
like, <laughs> you, you, you should know what I mean by a Naruto and Sasuke kiss. That's what we get, like, early. <laughs> so, so this isn't an accident. It, that's, that's the problem. It's not an accident that the main character is gay now. Not that that's bad. He got, because he got a first smooch from best girl. And that's none of my problem, regardless of the lack of emotion in this. <laughs> We're never really disappointed. As the series gives us the most action-filled, speed-driven, exciting slice of life about farming that I've ever had the pleasure of watching all the way through six times. Speed rice planting, swift plant checking, even the unholy question of how truly to value uh, women underwear. There's everyday excitement for no reason. I actually even sampled No Rin in one of my songs, which we'll get to in the end, why not? With no final awakening, which isn't an entire problem, this show gets a real good 8 out of 10. Good, good job. Here we go baby, we're getting sucked into another video game where we get to defeat the demon lot. Oh, this is, this is different. This is a lot different. Cool, cool. Great, great, great stuff. So, uh, basically Demon Lord Retry uh, is about a dude who makes a video game and is really good at the making or patching or uh, keeping it online for like 15 years. Uh, falls asleep on the day that he shuts it down and you know what happens. <laughs> Welcome to Infinity Game. <laughs> where we're led by the demon lord kunai and his ragtag team of lollies who are actually under eight so we can be a dick to them and hit them on the head and on the butt a good amount demon lord retry is a lot similar to shows like one punch man we follow kunai the strongest character in the entire show who doesn't want to be the strongest man in the world or anything actually my man's goals are really quite inspirational his main ambition is to open the world to a hot spring and he does it relatively easy throughout the series since a vast amount of it will be uh, getting a feel of the world around us and recruiting people to work for him when the time is right through a uh, basic sheer knowledge of his own world and an assessment of uh, this world. Uh, Kunai actually really becomes the smartest person in the entire ass show, kinda quickly actually. <laughs> he introduces the world to soap regular baths, hot springs, hospitals, really he's a contradictory character on his ones, since he's trying as hard as he can to keep a strong demeanour but can't help but have fun with his game at hand. The world is written so wonderfully, it's a true testament to how uh, even a world based on a video game doesn't need to have Jumanji 2 type NPCs, instead we have uh, characters who would instead be NPCs given entire personalities alongside fears, strengths, surprisingly uh, things that turn them on. It's definitely a show that knows how to breathe life into its characters, which makes sense, because if you did a little bit of research about the show, you'll find that it's the same animation studio, uh, Ikachi Epilka, who worked on um, Crossing Time, which is an anime about the stories built around everyday people and the conversations that take place. Character is a main focus in this series. Uh, the coherence throughout the show is slow, but we have a sure sense we're definitely on our way somewhere, either briskly or slow and steady, taking breaks or straight teleporting. Plot progression is there, even if it is towards something as trivial as a hot spring. And with this, we will talk characters. Uh, Kunai, Aku, 
uh, <laughs> Aku literally means like devil or something. Uh, Luna, what do these characters have in common? Absolutely nothing. Well, Aku and Luna are girls and that's about it because there's not anything that really connects these characters but except the way that they connect themselves to the story on their lonesome. Kunai has really got his own thing going on. Aku is like six. She's 13. So she can't really be left on her own. And Luna follows because she really wants her arsehole ravaged, which gives me a good idea of who best girl contender of this season should be. Even the main character, Kunai, can change avatars every now and then, and when he does, he it changes his entire character, as even the playable characters on standby have personality. <laughs> we have Yu Kirino, the doctor, Isami Tahara, the, I think he's like a, a, a smart constructor, he's, he's like a militaristic, he's got, he's got good smarts, uh, that all people with their own wants, needs, zero kisinima, uh, Kirasame, they all have uh, needs, dislikes, entire passions, whole ass personalities built about these characters and even reputations built before them as their names are mentioned and fear envelops people who hear. It's a real pleased feeling I get when I get a demonstration of a well-developed character before they even show up, which really brings me to my next point because no one knows shit about Kunai post him getting summoned into the video game and yet he is the most overpowered character in the whole show so anyone else gets a whole reputation but kunai being the strongest no one's ever heard of him until now odd because my nigga achieved the final awakening kind by like the first episode and suppresses it for the rest of the series whack <laughs> so following our very insightful conversation about titty in the previous chapter i think it's in good taste to talk about a small portion of titty we find in the show it doesn't fill me with great joy to say that this show doesn't entirely skip out on the titty, but it really allows us to use our imaginations rather than, uh, than the eyes we were given. Since looking deeper into the show, there's a trap. There's a trap in this show. And I won't tell you, because if you've seen Blend S like you should, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. But, but the amount of tea that's aside from what's... What, what, but but but, but the, the amount of tea that's aside from that will keep us satiated. My fellow cultured weebs, we may have found the one isekai that doesn't force us to defeat the demon lord. We are the demon lord. God, I nearly said demon semen lord that time, fuck. We do have hella lolly hoes, and we are possibly going to jail for that last sentence. It's a show that definitely is devoid of all beach episode, but we find a lot of wholesomeness comes from the relationship between Aku and Kunai, where they don't really look like father and son, father and daughter. <laughs> God, I don't see gender. <laughs> they, just, they don't really look like father and daughter at all. But the uh, the urge to protect Aku really drives their relationship forward and we see it grow more and more every day as Aku was abandoned and cast out by her village. Uh, the amount of dependence towards Kunai is very much understandable and then you get the, the fight sequences. So when I said that this is a lot like One Punch Man, what I really meant was that the fights take like a minute, like at most. Granted, this is the most powerful character in the entire show and he does get into fights to satisfy his own selfish and kind of selfless needs, there are really short bursts of excitement. 
like a pizza from the corner shop. Sure, you got the base, but there's only like four thin sliced pieces of cheese on it, and it's still wet for some reason, but... <laughs> but you put it in the oven and even though it's such a small piece of cheese it still tastes so good when you finally get to it but I had to wait so long for it to cook and I even had to sit through the whole flavourlessness base before, before I got there the music is definitely something I've heard before it's like Naruto mix of Bobobo and it works really well but am I watching a slice of life or am I watching an isekai? at this point does anyone want to go home? is it even worth going home? <laughs> Uh, Demon Lord Retry gets a whole 6 out of 10. It was good. Genuinely really good. Something to binge with your parrot sitting on your shoulder. But I'm not watching it again. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Boku Rano is a show that I've not heard enough people talk about at all. I'd heard Shadows saying that it's an Evangelion clone because it's got giant robot fighting giant robot but this show fully took me by the arse when you find out the darkest secret about the series. Bokurano plays itself like a mecha anime. It looks like a mecha anime. It feels like a mecha anime. So it must be a mecha anime, right? Wrong. Bokurano is a show about 15 children and the fate that shadows every single one of them. That every single one of them has to pilot a giant robot in order to save the world and if they lose that robot fight the earth is ruined it's trashed it's destroyed and this isn't even the biggest fate involving these children as every single time one child is finished piloting the robot another child is chosen and it may be somewhat resemblant of a game of russian roulette but there's also the rest of their day-to-day -day lives to worry about because uh, post fate being sealed we remember that these are literally children and the fact that they have such a burden on their shoulders almost forces them to spend uh, what could be their last remaining days trying to do what they've always wanted for themselves to make their parents happy to bring people together to, to, to stop any suffering these aren't just mech pilots these are literally children children with goals ambitions for the future for, for when they graduate from school children who want children children who want power respect just for their families to be happy and safe Bokurano has never actually given me hope <laughs> like the entire series. Actually, I go out of my way to say that Bokurano made me very sad. I was very sad the entire show because all I could do was feel sorry for these kids. If you, if you total all the time spent piloting the mech, you really only get about an episode's worth, which in the grand scale of things and a total of 24 episodes isn't really that much time regarding the robot fights. So really just the b-side of the entire series there's a lot of fate that goes on in this series and sometimes the children just sit down and talk about the fact that they're fucked that they don't want to do this but their fate is sealed and all they can do is cry and hope that they're not next we learn uh, a great deal about the mech uh, the earth when we're watching these fights but it's more an actual demonstration of how the character of, of the character is in their mind. Some characters felt more mentally fortified, so Zeerth is out here doing some crazy stunts and flips when he pilots it. One girl is out here praying, so the robot shoots a full fucking laser. It shows us in a physical nature 
just how powerful these children are on their own, which would explain why this show would look like a clone of Evangelion, but it's no excuse for being jaded. The show introduces parallel universes, with uh, parallel Earths at some point. One of the main conflicts has comes to a close about the middle of the show. <laughs> There's so many questions that could be asked, but the show asks them first, and even brings to light any bonus things that a character might have picked up along the way. This show really knows exactly what you're going to think before you think it. These characters, even though I feel sorry for them, most of the show have so much bravery in their darkest moments, give or take a couple, that it's so commendable what they're fated to take part in. But I can't help but feel good for those who have made peace with everything they wanted. Shows like Bokurano aren't entirely uh, super difficult to talk about, at, but I'm going out of my way not to spoil anything major about the series in case anyone may want to watch it spoiler free. So I'll lay down the light ones first hand. Spider-Man dies twice, Superman is Clark Kent, and it was actually Luna Lovegood who killed Dumbledore. If you've read the book, you'd know there's something real fishy about her. But this show definitely might be somewhat resemblant of Ninja Genitals and Kyridian. The music, the mech battles, the drama, excitement, the show keeps you on the edge of your seat over and over again, nearly had me on my knees just pissed off at the whole ass show, <laughs> just from how dirty these kids are done, like <laughs> how insanely dirty these this is like every problematic child story, kids who get bullied, the, the quiet kids in class, the, the kids who abuse their sisters, orphans, we have kids who whose dads walked away from them, kids who got straight up, kids, kids, we got kids who straight up have ambitions, kids who quit something in the past that they really loved, kids with real pasts, and, and, and they just get done the dirtiest for no reason. <laughs> they they don't get a final awakening. They do actually get one at the end of the show, and it is sick. The robot's all flying around like pew pew pew. The guy even has to take a break, a quick sit down just to eat some bread and drink some tea. He has a nap. The the fight lasts like 30 hours. Bokurano is a solid show. Fantastic storyline, amazing characters. Bokurano gets like a, a really decent like 8 out of 10. Straight 8 out of 10. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. What was your favourite part? Mm hmm. Wow. Huh. Wow. Wow. You're a sick freak. But I like your style. I respect you, kid. You're alright with me. <laughs> and now. The moment we've all been waiting for, best girl reveal, we made it this far, best girl of the season, contenders are Angela from Carol and Tuesday, Akari, Akari from uh, Harukana Receive, uh, Rose Hanazono from No Rin, Zero Kirasame from Demon Lord Retry, and Dung Beetle from Bokurano, actually no, uh, Kokopelli from Bokurano. <sighs> I'm ready. I've, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, please, please Miyazaki, give me the strength I need, please Araki, please everyone, best girl of the season is Rose from No Rin, easy, Haruka had a pretty good chance but truly Rose got that personality, he got the Jojo references, he kissed 
my man in the in the episode oh lord Brett, why couldn't it have been me what well, i tell you why couldn't it have been me so i hope you had a good time please or, or don't leave a message or whatever the hell ever i'm not gonna force you to do anything do you leave a message about whatever show you'd like to hear about and you'll never know i might just review some hentai by accident until then my name is best boy weeaboo jim this is the weeaboo corner and now <laughs> get the hell out of my corner bye I got about 15 pretzels in my bank account Stealing Netflix from my cat and hence I haven on hand I'm gonna blast, deleting on that history fast When the boys come through, they ain't got no clue Tentacles sitting in the past Trying to get the truth, nigga better get Scooby and the gang too 2,000 whole pics on my phone, about half You already know a feat Maybe about 10, 20 pictures of my family and me And the rest of some motherfucking memes If you